that you heard uh, Sam read a moment ago from John, the, the same story is repeated in Matthew. So I'm going to invite you to find uh, that version. This is in Matthew chapter 26, and uh, we're going to start reading at verse 6, Matthew 26. The same story from a different perspective fills in a few more uh, details. If you weren't here at 1025 uh, and you're wondering why it's so hot, we're ha we are having some air conditioning uh, problem. Some of you are more comfortable than you've been in years, uh, I know, but others of you are a little, uh, a little warm. So we apologize for that, and you're welcome to those of you who are comfortable, finally. Matthew 26, and we're going to begin at verse 6. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, and by the way, you heard uh, Sam read a, a moment ago that he was in the home of Lazarus, and Mary, and Martha. So what it appears to be is that, that he stayed in one home and the party was in another. So you've done that. You've gone to visit people and you stay with somebody and then they have a get-together in somebody else's house. Matthew 26, beginning of verse 6, there, that was that. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. We heard earlier she, she poured it on his feet. This fills in another detail. He just tells a different part of the story, so it's head and feet. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will, will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. <clears throat> this week... I had some, some expensive uh, Vietnamese coffee. Some of you are around, have been around and know that every two years we host Vietnamese guests that are part of the Highmark program. Uh, our own Tommy and Penny Johnston live in, in Vietnam and they coordinate this program and they, as part of their graduation, they get to come and they spend some time in the U.S. They spend a week in Huntsville. And uh, some of you, some of our members uh, host them in your homes and they worship with us that uh, Sunday morning that they are here and they are so gracious that they bring uh, a gift to the church, often a piece of art that we display, and they, they bring a gift uh, to the pastor. So you do all the work and I get the gift. I think that's the way God intended for things uh, to be. Well, they brought me some expensive, wonderful Vietnamese coffee. And I know it was expensive because I looked it up on the internet, and I know it's wonderful because I, I had some of the same kind of coffee from Korea. A friend came back and brought just a little bit, not an entire bag. This was the whole deal, but he had brought me just a little bit, and we brewed it, and it was, it was the smoothest most delicious coffee I ever have had. So I was really excited about this, and I decided to save it for a special occasion. In fact, I said to Judd, whose office is right across from mine, I said, Judd, I'm going to save this for a special occasion. Well, we had that coffee this past uh, Thursday. Sam Maxwell, our uh, resident for young adults, and Judd decided to have a uh, a coffee party in the middle of uh, Thursday afternoon. And um, so we broke out the Vietnamese coffee.
coffee and brewed it in the break room. I was, uh, I was disappointed on two counts, though. One, this was not exactly the uh, special occasion that I had anticipated. I mean, Kristen and Raj joined us in the break room, and Sam and Judd were there, and they're nice, nice enough. And... <laughs> but it just wasn't, I mean, no offense, guys, it just wasn't the special occasion that I had anticipated. Second, um, the coffee had lost some of its oomph. Um, I've learned since that six to nine months is the lifespan of a coffee bean if it's not in the freezer, and they gave that coffee to me three years ago in 2016. <laughs> I, was, I was saving it for a special occasion. So it was good, but it tasted a, a little flat, you know, a little, little old, and um, I had held on too long to the best coffee I've ever owned. I held on too long to the best coffee I ever have owned. Now, I'm going to come back to that story in a few minutes, but uh, let's spend our time now talking about this story in the book of John and in the book of Matthew. Jesus came to Bethany right before Passover, which was risky because at Passover, the religious leaders would be gathering and, uh, you know, they were looking for Jesus. And so for, the, for him to be in Jerusalem or near Jerusalem, Bethany is on the Mount of Olives that overlooks Jerusalem. For, and, and that's where, so for Jesus to be in Bethany on the Mount of Olives, that close to Jerusalem, with all those people there was somewhat risky. But Jesus wanted to be with his friends. He's, Jesus did not give, he gave up his he gave up his power and he took upon himself our humanity and, he, and so he became human, as much human as we. And so he wanted, like we do, he just wanted to be with his friends. And so he took the risk of coming to Bethany. Mary opened, both John and Matthew say, an alabaster jar of perfume. And then Mary poured the perfume, some on his head, some on his feet, and washed his head and her, his feet with her hair. Now that seems odd to us, does it not? A, wiping someone's feet with your hair? But remember, there are things, there are customs in some cultures that are very common that seem rather odd in other cultures. For example, our, our own culture. How many of you, I want you to raise your hand, how many of you have ever poured uh, a a sleeve of peanuts into a Coca-Cola bottle and drunk it. How many of you? See, lots of you. And that is delicious, is it not? Yes, thank you, choir. Yes, it is. Now, you know, there, I, had, I had someone from another part of the country say that sounded gross to them. They just don't know. And then there's the custom of uh, seersucker. I was kind of looking around. I'm disappointed that I don't see more seersucker. You know, you can't wear it uh, after tomorrow. You have to go spend the winter in Canada if you wear seersucker after Labor Day. Seersucker in the South is a wonderful custom, but in some parts of the country, they don't appreciate uh, seersucker. And then, uh, of course, there's um, the black-eyed peas on New Year's Day for good luck, right? There are parts of the country that don't eat black-eyed peas on uh, New Year's Day, which explains why their football is just not very good. They, they don't eat black-eyed peas. 
Some things that we do as part of our culture, some people find odd. We find it odd that she was wiping his feet with her hair, but it was customary in their culture. Remember, this wasn't just any perfume. This was the good stuff. Some accounts call it nard, which was an extract from a plant in India. So this is not the local stuff. This is imported. It had been extracted and it had been imported. This was the expensive stuff, which reminds me of, um, of one of the first birthdays that Carrie had when we were married, and she wanted perfume for that birthday. She wanted beautiful. Anybody know what you know, beautiful is? A nice perfume. So I went to Walmart to see if I could uh, get some perfume. And uh, I looked around on the shelves, and I couldn't find beautiful anywhere. I asked the lady there at the, at the glass counter, and she walked around, couldn't find it. And then she said, oh, wait, I think it's in the case. And she went and got the key to open the glass case. Guys, if they ever go get the key and open the glass case, it's going to set you back some, I'm telling you. Not that Carrie isn't worth the best perfume Walmart has, I'm just saying. <laughs> that it'll set you back some. But this, this, this alabaster jar perfume would not have been in the glass case at Walmart. It would have been in the safe at Saks Fifth Avenue. This was the really, really, really good stuff. And when she poured that on Jesus and, and spent the entire bottle on, on that one moment, people declared, his friends around him, beginning with Judas, declared, what a waste. Why did, you, why did you pour out the entire bottle? We could have done such good, even though that was a phony answer. They said, we could have done such good with that, with all the money that was spent on that perfume. I have to admit, if I were there, I might have chimed in. I might have said the same thing. I might have thought, what a waste. I might have thought, in fact, I probably would have thought, why didn't we save this for a special occasion? But Mary didn't think it was a waste. And Jesus didn't think it was a waste. For Mary to love Jesus lavishly, to love him extravagantly, was not a waste uh, for Mary. And Jesus said she's done a wonderful thing, and people are going to be talking about this from now on. Wherever the gospel is preached, he said, people are going to be talking about this, and we are today. Jesus didn't think it was a waste, and Mary didn't think it was a waste. I want to tell you a story, a short story from O. Henry, and I won't tell it as well as he did, but I'm going to give it my best shot. It's the story of Jim and Della, a young couple, newly married, deeply in love. It was Christmas Eve, it was the morning of Christmas Eve, and Della was sad because she didn't have enough money to buy Jim, her beloved husband, a really good Christmas present. She had a dollar eighty-seven. Now this was set a long time ago, but even then a dollar eighty-seven wouldn't buy Jim a good Christmas present. She had squirreled away all the money she could. She had pinched every penny and saved everything she could from her grocery money, but all she had was a dollar eighty-seven. But then she had an idea. Something dawned on her she hadn't thought of. She jumped up and she put on her coat because she remembered a store not far from their apartment in the city. And and that store had a sign in the window that read, we buy hair. 
Now you need to know about Della. She had long, flowing, beautiful hair all the way to her knees. That was her signature. That was how people knew Della. She, her, she was proud of her hair, and it was beautiful hair. So she went to the, it was a wig shop, uh, by the way. So she went to the wig, wig shop, the wig store, and asked, how much will you give me for my hair? The wig store owner looked at that long, flowing hair to her knees and said, $20. So, so Della sat down, and they cut off her hair. But Della was thrilled because she already had $1.87, and now she had $20. Now she could buy something nice for Jim. So when they had cut her hair and she got up out of the chair, she, she went shopping, and she found it wasn't long before she found the perfect present, and it cost $21. It was a platinum it was a platinum um, chain for Jim's pocket watch. He had a, an heirloom that had belonged to his grandfather and to his father. This pocket watch that was his pride and joy, it was his most prized possession. Jim loved that pocket watch and he had a little leather string that he was using but it wasn't very good and so now she had found the per- perfect complement to that pocket watch, this platinum chain. She was so excited, she couldn't wait for Jim to get home. When she heard him in the hallway of their apartment building, she whispered a quick prayer. God, make him think I'm still pretty without my hair. When Jim opened the door and came in, he he froze when he saw her. She couldn't read him. It wasn't a look of anger. It wasn't a look of disappointment. He just looked stunned. You cut your hair. He said, you still think I'm pretty without my hair, don't you? I'm still me without my hair, ain't I? And he assured her lovingly that she was still pretty and she, he still loved her. But, he said, but, but open your gift. So uh, she sat down with the gift that Jim had brought home and she opened it. And when she first saw the gift, she squealed with delight. But then just as suddenly she began to cry for he had bought her a set of combs and brushes, not just any set of combs and brushes, an ornate, beautiful set of combs and brushes she'd been admiring in a store window and she'd been wanting. Combs and brushes that were perfect for that long, flowing, beautiful hair which she had sold to the wig shop. It'll grow back, she said, as if to assure both him and herself. Then she said, well, open, open my gift. So he tore into the gift that Jim tore into the gift that Della had bought for him. And it was was that platinum chain for his uh, pocket watch. She was so excited. She said, get your watch out and let's see how it looks with that chain on it. I can't, he said. I I sold my pocket watch to buy your combs and uh, brushes. Now, some people would look at that story and say, What a waste. But two uh, young people in love, loving lavishly, extravagantly, would not say it's a waste at all. Imagine with me. Uh, Imagine with me a young lady, a high school student, her GPA, her SAT and ACT all put her at the top of the class. And her vocational possibilities are limitless. 
And at her graduation cookout in the backyard, a man comes to her and asks her, well, what are you going to do after college? And she smiles and says, I'm going to be a missionary. He smiles politely, but privately he's thinking, what a, what a waste. Imagine with me a couple that have gone to their financial advisor and they say, we're going to make a significant gift to our church. They're building uh, an area for children for the next generation, and we want to make a significant gift. That's just hypothetical, of course. Financial planner tries to talk them out of it, but they've made up their mind. And when they leave his office, although he's made appropriate arrangements, when they leave, he thinks to himself, what a waste. But it's not a waste to them, for them to give to their Lord through their church extravagantly, lavishly, doesn't seem at all like a waste. Picture with me, a young man, he's part of what we might call a gang, a bunch of guys that are rough and people in the neighborhood don't like them, and the people in the neighborhood are scared of them, and they have often been in trouble with the law. But this one of the guys, one of the ringleaders, he goes, uh, he goes, he gets the chance to go to a fellowship of Christian athletes camp. And at this camp, he has this deeply transformative experience. He has a conversion experience. Everything becomes different for him. He comes back. He gets involved in his new church. He starts reading his Bible. His friends wonder what's going on. And they go by to get him one night. They've got a big plan. And he says, guys, I, that's, that's not who I am anymore. What's happened? And he tells them about his experience at, at FCA camp. And he's a different guy. And they leave thinking, what a waste. But to him, it's not a waste to have given up what he's given up, to have gained what he has gained. It doesn't seem like a waste at all. Picture with me. A lady who has finally landed her dream job, and her career is taking off like a rocket. And then one day, she's told by those above her in the organizational chart to, um, to do something that she finds unethical, to do something with the books, the, the finances that she, she believes would be dishonest. And so she refuses. And the, the answer she gets is, if you don't do this, you'll never go any farther in this company. The next morning, she comes in and she lays her resignation on the desk of her boss. And he says to her, you could have gone far in this company. What a waste. But she doesn't find it to be a waste at all. She, she'll lie down tonight with her integrity intact, and she feels like that wasn't a waste. She feels like she's absolutely done the right thing. There, when Jesus came and, and told his parables, he helped us to see things, to see things differently. He changed our value system. He said things, odd things like, the first will be last. Jesus took things that, that would seem to the world like a waste and turned them into something of great value. Remember my coffee beans? I said I was going to get back to that story. Expensive coffee beans that I was saving for a special occasion to use and 
and they passed uh, the expiration date and lost their oomph. Humorist, the late humorist Irma Bombeck once wrote a column titled, What's Saved is Often Lost. Would you, would you lend me your ear for just a couple of minutes and let me read this? Throughout the years, I've seen a fair number of my family who have died leaving candles that have never been lit, appliances that never got out of the box, I have learned that silver tarnishes when it isn't used, perfume turns to alcohol, and candles melt in the attic over the summer. I always had a dream that when I am asked to give an accounting of my life to a higher court, it will be like this. So empty your pockets. What have you got left of your life? Any dreams that were unfilled? Any unused talent that we gave you when you were born that you still have left? Any unsaid compliments or bits of love that you haven't spread around? And I will answer, I have nothing to return. I spent everything you gave me. Makes one think, doesn't it? About whether we're giving our best for what matters most. To borrow from the world of athletics, are we leaving it all on the field? Or, or are there things that we're not, important things that we're not giving our best for? Oh, and one more thing. When Mary anointed Jesus, she didn't know that within a few days he would be on the cross. He knew, but she didn't yet know. Which is just a poignant reminder that you never know what time you have left to do your best. Opportunities don't last forever, and life is a fragile and fleeting gift. This week, a young man, I call him young, who was in the youth group when I was a youth minister in college, died suddenly with a stroke, and I remembered Life is a fragile and fleeting gift. And I don't want to show up, um, I don't want to show up in the presence of my Creator with things undone and best uh, not given. Makes one think, doesn't it? It would be a shame to wait too long to do your best. We're going to 